0: God's Word remains standing, please, dear friends, and turn with me to John chapter 18, as we continue in our Lenten study that we started a couple of weeks ago. John chapter 18, today we'll be looking at verses 22, or 28 through 42. We started two weeks ago with the beginning of chapter 18 with Jesus' arrest and the sovereignty of that arrest, that it was part of God's divine plan from the foundation of the world that Jesus would be handed over to suffer and to die. We moved on then last week in Elder Hall, get, directed our attention to the denials and how we oppose Christ at times of conflict and so forth. Today we continue on now in chapter 18, we'll end chapter 18 today And the whole theme of Jesus' point now is that he has come to testify to the truth and if they would listen to him, they would hear absolute truth. And we find various questions that come to us in this passage and each one of these questions give an explanation or a revelation of how people are responding and or living or not living out the truth. So where do you find yourself In the passage, that's the question before us as we give our attention to God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word. John chapter 18, beginning at verse 28. Hear now the word of God. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked... What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Pilate said, take him for yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was to die would be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Is this your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew, Pilate replied? It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth, to testify to the truth that everyone who was on the side of the truth would listen to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this he went outside again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at this time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Father, we would pray that you would open our eyes to behold absolute truth as it comes to us from your holy word today. And seeing that truth, Father, we would see our Savior standing before us who is truth And that we would also see ourselves and how we live a life many times in opposition to that truth, in denial to that truth, seeking to kill the truth or to challenge the truth. So, Father, open our eyes now to behold these things, please, and work your spirit in us to bring about change that we might live for you. Every moment of every day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. I don't know about you, but this daylight saving time has messed me up all week. All week. I've been going to bed when the sun is still up. And I've been waking it up, waking up when it's pitch black dark outside, and my world has been rocked to the part to the point that I'm questioning myself. Bryant, you must have messed up the AM and the PM on the alarm clock, because there's no way it's time for you to get up. It's dark outside, or it can't be it can't be that early. I'm so exhausted, I'm ready to climb in bed, and, and the sun is still shining outside. I've moved past the questions then to just blame it on the clock. The clock is not right. It cannot be right. I don't care what time it says, it can't be that time of day because it's still light outside and I'm ready for bed or it's still dark outside and I don't want to get up. And that, my friends, is exactly how many in our culture and many of us even here today live lives confronted with absolute truth we fail to hear the truth as it is proclaimed to us we fail to see the truth that is before us and we begin to either want to kill it because we want our way instead of what is true or or we challenge it because we have a better plan a better proposal or we just out and out deny it saying that can't be that can't be what is true the passage before us deals with this very thing my friends and Jesus himself tells Pilate and reveals to us now by divine inspiration through the work of his Holy Spirit that Jesus says that he came for this very purpose. He came for the absolute purpose of revealing the truth and he reveals that truth in himself. We read in John's first chapter this same gospel account in the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word God was God. The Word, Word, is capitalized. It is a name for Jesus Himself. So we could put Jesus in place of Word. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. From that understanding then that Jesus Himself is the Word made flesh, then He speaks to us. He testifies truth to us In His holy infallible word, which is open before you today by the divine inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who is alive and well and at work within you if you are here and a lover of the Lord Jesus. Think of it like this When I was a senior in high school, I had the great privilege of playing the role of Professor Harold Hill in The Music Man. You remember that musical with Robert Preston, I believe was his name? I played that that guy's part in uh, my senior year of high school. And one of the joys of playing that part was I got to sing the song Trouble with a capital T and that rhymes with P and that stands for pool. I could even do it for you right here. (laughs) Yeah, well either you're closing your eyes to a situation you do not wish to acknowledge or you are not aware of the caliber of disaster indicated by the presence of a pool table in your community. Well, you got trouble, my friends, (laughs) right here in River City, yeah, trouble with a capital T, that rhymes with P, that stands for pool, and what we find right here is truth with a capital T, that rhymes with C, and that stands for Christ, Mm -hmm. Jesus, standing before us, testifying to what is absolutely true. And we find in this passage questions, different individuals that are confronted with this truth and they're asking one another questions. Jesus is asking questions. Pilate is asking questions. Religious individuals are asking questions and I'm asking you a question. Before you is truth with a capital T, absolute truth in the person of Jesus Christ. Have you embraced this truth? Are you living in this truth? or are you trying to kill this truth, to challenge this truth, to deny this truth like we find in this passage. It begins now, Jesus is on the move again, verse 28, and actually tells us it's early in the morning. This is this is Good Friday morning. That that celebration that we'll have in our tenebrae service in a few weeks from now when we get to the last week of Jesus' life after Palm Sunday and before Easter Sunday. The Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas's palace, now to the Roman governor's palace. They're moving from the Jewish leaders, the religious individuals, now to the Roman authorities. They're on the move with Jesus, and look what takes place. They get to Pilate's palace, And they don't want to be spiritually unclean because they want to celebrate the Passover so they will not step one toe across the threshold because that would profane them, make them unclean and they couldn't celebrate the Passover. Now think about this, friends. Think about this and think about where we are in life today. These are the religious individuals. These are religious people. But they are nothing more than legalists. They're nothing more than legalists in the extent that they care more, they are more meticulous about the law that they are about to break than they are about the Savior who they are handing over to be executed. They've come up with this whole idea of what it is that they want and now they are ready to kill the one who is absolute truth so that they can get what they want. Look at the word that's used here. When, when Pilate says, well, go and charge him uh, by your own. I, I, go and, and do with him whatever it is that, that you want to do. And they say in the middle of verse 31, but we have no right. Look what they say. We have no right to execute anyone. They had no interest in the truth. They had no interest in a trial. They had no interest in justice They had already made up their mind. And their mind had been made up that they wanted him dead. They wanted to kill him. They wanted to wipe him out. And not only did they want to kill him and wipe him out, they wanted to wipe out every bit of the movement that he had started three years ago. This always reminds me of when I was a kid at Christmas time. We had single-strand lights on our Christmas tree. And those Christmas lights were the great big lights like our night bulb lights today. You know, they'd have the threads on the end and they were a single strand, all colors, and you'd put them all around the tree and then you'd plug them in and what would, and, and, and always happen, Invariably, always happened. One light would go out, which meant what? The whole strand would go out. And so then you'd have to go bulb, bulb by bulb, bulb by bulb, you'd get to the very end and you still didn't get them to come back on, which meant... Two bulbs had to be out. And how are we going to figure out where the second bulb is if we don't even know where the first bulb is? The point is when the one goes out, the whole thing went out. And that's exactly what the religious legalists, religious people, yet legalists, want to do with Jesus. They want to kill him. They want to be done with him, away with him. Friends, many times, I mean, we must confess many times, don't we live our life that way? Don't we live a little bit of that religious legalism where we think, I have a list of things that I do that others don't do, and doggone it, Jesus is going to love me a lot more than he's going to love them because I do these good things and I don't do those bad things. Don't you live that way many times? Can I just simply say to you, if you begin with a list of do's and don'ts, then you have erred already. We begin with a response to the grace that's already been given to us in the one who is absolute truth. Instead of thinking that I can make him love me more by what I do or what I don't do, we begin with this mind-blowing understanding that absolute truth came to testify that truth, to reveal that truth to me, that I could see that in him is life, eternal life, and embracing him, I would be given that gift of life. We think in our minds that our way is better than his way, and we want to kill his way just like the religious individuals of that day wanted to execute him and the whole Weigh the whole matter that he had started. The first question that Pilate asks them there why are you bringing him to me? What charges are you bringing against this man? And they say, We want him executed. We want you to kill him. We have a scene change then. Verse 33, Pilate goes back inside the palace now and now asks another question. Now Pilate asking the question to, the, to Jesus himself instead of asking the Jews what the charge is. Now he's asking the question, are you the king of the Jews? If we read it literally in Greek, the pronoun you begins the sentence. So he really is saying it this way, you are king of the Jews? Not only is Pilate refusing to listen to Jesus, who says he has come to testify as the one who is absolute truth, but now he's even looking at Jesus saying, Oh, no, no, you don't fit the part. I fit the part because I am a king. You are the king of the Jews. And Jesus goes on to say, Have you come to this conclusion on your own or have you heard this about me? And then you see the impatience of Pilate now. I'm not a Jew. I'm not a Jew at all. Matter of fact, Pilate hated Jews. Pilate was there, the Roman governor, put in Jerusalem by the Roman emperor to keep peace in Jerusalem among the Jews and the Gentiles and to be certain that the Jews paid their taxes to the empire. He hated Jews. He didn't want any part of them. He wanted them to keep the peace and he wanted them to pay their taxes. And so any kind of a thought now that he's hearing from the people that another king has come is a threat to his kingdom. It begins to threaten him, to challenge him. And so he says, you, you're the one that I've heard all of these people talking about? There's no way you're a king. You don't even look the part of a king. But look at Jesus' response, friends. In verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world the Greek word "their kingdom" really is translated "kingship," and it gives us a different understanding. To think about the word "kingdom," we think about a geographical area, a location. To think about a "kingship," we think about an individual, someone who is over that kingdom. Now he talked about a, a geographical area. It's not of this world. It, it, it's from heaven. It's greater than the world. Jesus is saying to Pilate, you, you think that I'm a threat just because I'm a king. Well, I really am a threat because my kingship is not an earthly kingship. I'll see your kingship and I'll trump your kingship because mine, mine is of heaven, of eternity, not of simply you thinking that I don't fit the part. My kingship is not of this world. My kingship is a greater kingship. So Pilate is threatened by this individual. You are a king then? He asks another question. You are a king then? Yeah, I'm a king. And this is the reason why I came. I came to testify to the truth, and whoever listens to my voice hears truth. Now, a lot of ink has been spilled on the next question that Pilate asks in verse 38 What is truth? Well, was he really a seeker? Was he trying to find out? Was he really wanting to know what truth was all about? I don't think that that's anywhere near what Pilate was asking because we find then right after that he goes right back outside, back to the Jews. If he really was intrigued and wanted to know what truth was, he would have asked more questions. He would have stayed. I think it's very cynical. I think he is saying, you think you're a challenge to me, but look at you, you're no challenge I, I'm done with you. What is truth? Truth. <laughs> what is truth? You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. The same thing with a few good men. He can't handle it. And so he looks at him and he says, yeah, I, 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 I'm done. I'm done with you. What is, what is truth? I think it's very, very cynical. But I want to ask you this question. The scriptures clearly tell us that in Jesus Christ was the word made flesh. And then from that word made flesh, he said it was good for him to go. Because when he went, the Holy Spirit would come. And when the Holy Spirit would come, he would dwell within us. And then he would seal to our minds that reading his word that has been divinely inspired by the, the, uh, the apostles... And writers of holy scripture, that when we would read His Word, His Spirit would accompany those words and seal to us what is absolutely true. You can. Oh, this Bible is trustworthy because He is trustworthy. It's truthful because He Himself is truth. And so, when we open this Word and we read these words, it is as as if Jesus Himself is speaking to us, saying. I came to testify to the truth. If you will hear my voice, if you listen to my voice, then you are on the side of truth. Why then is it, friends, that we challenge the truth so often with that three-letter word, but. I know what the Bible says, but. I know the Bible tells me that I'm to love my wife like Christ loved the church, but that woman that you gave me, I know that I'm to be slow to speak and quick to listen, but I've got something to say that's a lot more important than what you have to say. I know that the Bible says to honor your father and mother, but they are trying to keep me from having fun and keep me from getting to do what I want to do. We challenge the truth moment by moment and day by day. And if we're not doing it with the word but, we're challenging the very sovereignty of a God who said, I promise to never leave you or forsake you. And we live this life filled with doubt and fear, thinking if anything good is going to come to my life I'm going to have to do it because he is not sufficient we're no different friends we're no different from these individuals that are standing right here in this text and that moves us then to verse 38 and following to the next group of questions Pilate goes back outside again and says I find no charge against the man Now as we heard even last week from Elder Hall, there are differences in the synoptic gospels, synoptic meaning same, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic gospels that basically have the same story told from their individual perspectives. John is not a synoptic gospel because he has a lot of things in his book that are different from the three synoptics. He has all the I am sayings, they don't, they have all the parables, he doesn't, so there is a difference between them. But we can go back and look at the other gospel accounts to see a a bigger picture. John doesn't give us every single detail. In Luke chapter 23, that's where we find an event that's right here between our John verses now 38 and 39. Pilate goes back outside and he says, I find no reason to charge the man. And then what we read in Luke chapter 23 is that Pilate hears that Jesus is a Galilean. And he says, aha, (laughs) I don't have to claim the truth. I don't even have to deal with the truth. I can send him to Herod. And so he punts. He tries to get rid of his problem. He sends him to Herod. And in Luke 23, we read that Herod talks to Jesus, then sends Jesus back to Pilate, and we read this passage, that Herod and Pilate become friends, and they become friends to the point that they try to work together to wipe out this one who is absolute Truth. So now with that in mind, now Herod as well as Pilate, Pilate says, I don't find anything against this man, no basis to charge him. But he says in his own mind, "I've I've come up with a custom. I've come up with something that they must claim. They must claim their own custom. And that custom is that I can release one of the prisoners during the time of the Passover. So this is how I'll get rid of him. I won't have to deal with him. I'll let them claim him back and let them deal with him themselves. So he says, here's the thing I'll do. It's your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? He was, he was confident that they were going to say yes. rocked his world when they started shouting, no. The religious people claimed their own custom just like they claimed their own law. But they failed to claim the truth. Who was standing before them, they were ready to wipe him away. One other account that just mind-blowing. Think about this. Not in Luke's gospel, but now in Matthew's gospel, in Matthew chapter 27. During these whole events of our text that we're reading here from John... In Matthew 27, we have an addition, and it's all those accounts about Judas. Judas taking the little bag of money back to the individual saying, I don't want to betray him. I want to give the money back. And they said, that's not our money. That's your money. What, is, what are you to us? Your work is done. The weight that Judas was experiencing was not the weight of the, the little purse uh, a bag of coins, the weight that Judas was experiencing was the weight of his guilt that he had betrayed the one who is absolute truth. But nowhere in Scripture do we read that he claimed that truth. Instead of reaching out now, having betrayed Jesus Christ, instead of claiming him as the one who is absolute truth, he tries to earn it back. He tries to give the money back. And when they won't take it back, he hangs himself. He commits suicide. The weight of his guilt, he doesn't claim the truth, but he tries to do it all by himself. So dear friends, this is an important, an important text before you today. And these whole events of Jesus' earthly life The beginning of the end of his life as we are thinking about moving from Ash Wednesday all the way to our Easter celebration, the climax. Are you listening to the truth? Do you understand that Jesus himself is true? He came to testify, to reveal to you a bigger picture of who he is and he does that right here in his word. And do you see how many times we try to kill that truth? How many times we challenge that truth? How many times we fail to claim that truth because we are more interested in ourselves than we are the Savior of the world who is right before us? This is good news. Good news because Jesus tells us, if you find yourself in this passage, friends, listen to this promise that Jesus gives. You are right in saying that I am a king. In fact, for this reason, this is the very reason for which I was born, that I came into the world to testify to the truth so that everyone on my side that would listen to me would understand and hear Absolute truth. He speaks to you today. He reveals himself. That the very reason he came was to give his life as a ransom. And now speak to you the promises of this gospel of grace over and over. In times when you want to kill it, he speaks his truth. In times when you want to challenge it, he speaks his truth. In times when you're denying it, he says claim it. Claim it as yours because I'm giving it to you. A gentleman visited his friend who was a music teacher one day. He walked in to his friend and he said, What's the good news for the day, teacher? And the man stood up without saying a word. He walked across the room. And he picked up one of these, a little tuning fork. He struck it. And he said, That is A. It was A 5,000 years ago. It will be A 10,000 years from now. The soprano upstairs sings flat. The tenor across the hall is sharp on his high notes. The piano downstairs is way out of tune. But that is A, and that's the good news for today. What is truth? Truth is not the good news for today that Jesus came 5,000 years ago and promises to live for 10,000 more years to come. The good news for today is the greatest news in the world, and that is Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. He knows no beginning, and he knows no end. He is absolute truth, and that is the greatest news that you will ever hear in your life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, what a what a joy it is to listen to truth, to absolute truth, that you come to us in your word by the power of your Holy Spirit and you seal to our minds that you are speaking to us today just like you did on that day and you are reminding us that if we listen to you, you seal these truths to our minds When we wanna, when we want to kill your truth, when we want to challenge it, when we fail to embrace it, Lord. Please remind us that this is the very reason you came to die for us, now to seal your promises to us, to remind us over and over and over again that you are a God who has never left us, never forsaken us, never will, a God who knows no beginning, no end. We are yours for all eternity. So let us live in that reality, Lord. We want to glorify you and we want to enjoy you forever. A life filled with joy, not a legalistic life of do's and don'ts, but a life of grace. That's what we want to live today in the certainty of knowing that you are ours and we are yours forever and forever. Thanks be to God for the sweet gospel you've given us in Jesus the Christ. Amen.